We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a question from somebody who feels like her only two options are to compromise or to be alone. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully take... To hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. Uh, welcome we to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute, y'all. Like, I, if you can't tell, I'm still struggling with my voice and it's been like a week later. We had like a million scheduling issues over the <laughs> so last couple weeks issues. because <laughs> of multiple illnesses and, uh, and, and one very bad recording error. <laughs> I won't say who did it. It was me. I did it. <laughs> it's okay. I've done I've done more of them, so you're forgiven. So actually, this is a moment just to say thank you to my wonderful co-host and my wonderful producer, our wonderful producer Spencer, for like a chaotic couple weeks of scheduling and rescheduling and re-recording. Uh, we've just have like kind of put been put through the ringer. So thanks to my wonderful team. Um, public public thanks and. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we dive into today's letter, we're going to do a quick check-in topic that is inspired by a conversation I had this morning with my wife that was inspired by a terrible dream I had. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So thank much you, inspiration. Okay. So last night I had a dream about um, cheating on my wife, that I cheated on my wife and she was leaving me, which I've never done. I've never cheated on my wife in this current iteration of our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> 
fine. That's a little insider joke. <laughs> um, but, big but. Um, so, yeah. Obviously, I haven't cheated on my wife. My wife's not leaving me. But in the as I was waking up from my dream, I was like panicking. And she had to be like, it's okay, honey. We're happy. Like, you don't have enough time to cheat on me because you're uh-huh. a stay-at-home mom. And I, uh, once I like got to my senses, we were like laughing about it and having a conversation about, you know, that we, that we are really happy and we feel really grateful for our relationship and the health of our relationship. And we got into this conversation about, you know, um, what it takes to, to be together long-term and how you kind of have to prepare for seasons of, of not liking each other a ton. Not that, you know, you always like each other, but like, um, there's going to be seasons of hardship in relationships, whether it's logistical, whether it's emotional, whether it's, I don't know, health related, there's always going to be seasons of hardships in um, relationships. And my wife is saying something that I thought was like so simple and so profound at the same time, which is you prepare for those seasons of hardships by getting used to and getting extremely practiced in honest and uncomfortable communication when things are going well, you know, when things are going well, you really need to practice saying the things that are uncomfortable. Um, you know, and, and I know when things are going well, those things are few and far between, but like learning how to talk about uncomfortable things in your relationship, getting practice at it will, I think, better prepare you for those harder times and, and often like maybe even cushion you for those harder times because you don't have the buildup of resentment. You don't have the buildup of of harboring you know anger or or not communicating fully like if you're if you if you think about it like those little pains those little little stabs of or pricks i should say of uncomfortable conversations as you go will sort of prevent it being one big like slashing wound i don't really know why i'm going with like a knife analogy here (laughs) it's wild it's really wild yeah man i don't know y'all it's been a crazy weekend (laughs) lots of puking in my house um Mm -hmm. anyway can Mm -hmm. you can you uh speak to any of that yeah i mean i think i think there's like a couple things that are there which is like the the idea of like not letting things build up right like where it's like oh i don't want to talk about that because we're like having such a good time but like i'm sort of becoming resentful or like I'm holding it. And then like, suddenly it's like, boom, everything explodes. And it's like, here's all the stuff that's been going on that I haven't talked to you about either. Cause I don't want to like ruin our good vibes or like, I don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, and two, like the actual practice of difficult conversations, like gets easier as you practice it. Yes, right. Like it's, you know, like, it. it's like you, you stymie the resentment by like talking about things as they're happening and then you also develop that that ability to like have difficult conversations with each other and i think you know one of the things that um i talk about in my work outside of this podcast is like it's better to have conversations about how you're gonna handle conflict when it inevitably comes up before the conflict comes up right so that you're not trying to navigate how do we handle this together while you're also like mad at each other or like frustrated or whatever it is. So it's like, it's actually better when things are good to say like, okay, why don't we talk about like 
what are our preferences and practices when we're in conflict with each other? So like, how are we going to agree when like one of us gets activated or both of us gets activated to handle it? Are we going to like pause and sit down and like hash everything out right there? Are we going to agree to take time away from each other to process what we need to? Are we going to communicate with each other face to face? Are we going to send, uh, are we going to use our therapists to do that? Are we going to write things down and then talk about it? Right? Like we all have all of these different ways of engaging in the practice of conflict and we assume that like everyone just knows or like that we can handle it when it yeah when it or happens. that we have the same rules yeah absolutely and so like it's good to actually be like you know when i get upset about something the first thing that i want to do is like stop talking and like leave the room like that's the that is the and like that doesn't mean that i'm mad at you or like want to break up with you or any of those things it's just like that's how my body wants to process this discomfort that I'm experiencing is like, I need time to think it through. And like, if I was dating somebody who's like, I want to sit down with you and hash it out in this moment immediately, that would be like, that would make the conflict worse if we weren't talking about it. You know what I mean? Like it would like, it would inflame it because I would be like really quiet and want to leave the room. And they'd be like, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you talking to me? And I'd be like, why is this person talking to me? Like this happens all the time in lots of different places. So I think it's also helpful, not just to practice those difficult conversations when things are going well, but also to like talk about like when stuff doesn't go well, how are we going to handle it together before that happens? Right? Like how can we be readier for the inevitability that one of us is going to be really crabby and sick and not know how to deal with it? Or we're going to, disagree about what our future is going to look like. And we're going to need to figure that out, right? Like all of that stuff can be helpful to do with actual practice outside of the, the, the hard times. Yeah. I'm also even thinking about it. Um, that's so helpful to hear. And I'm also thinking about it too, in like the, um, you know, when you're in a longer partnership, when, you know, I listen, I'm not there yet. Like, my relationship is long, but I haven't reached a decade yet. So, and I'm thinking about a decade, two decades, three decades together, you know, when mm. you're like, when you've been through it, when you've seen it <laughs> and you, uh -huh. you know, and you've done it all, you've done it all. And, and, you know, very little is new in it. Um, and maybe 20 years down the line, you're going through one of those hard seasons. I think if you both have that shared vision of, of, you know, maintaining love, respect and a healthy relationship and staying together. If it's good for everybody, I think yep. during those seasons, if you have a foundation of talking about hard things or talking about uncomfortable things, you also don't, I'm wondering if you won't necessarily look to your partner to, to make everything better immediately uh, what am I trying to say? Like, I wonder if, if we get more practiced about talking about uncomfortable things with our partner, we might even become more practiced ourselves with like self-soothing and, um, mm. self-reliance that's, that can be needed when those relationships are ebbing and flowing. And does that make sense? I'm not really, I'm not even sure if this is a real point <laughs> I'm making well. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly just musing out loud right now. Cause I'm picturing like, okay, in 20 years, my kids are going to be in college or going out of my single child that I have right now. Hopefully we'll have more kids, but, um, didn't want to not pregnant guys <laughs> for the folks who are, 
<laughs> for the folks who have been with us for a while. Yeah. Perking up <laughs> their ears. Um, you know, uh, and so say we're going through a hard time where like we don't really feel super connected. I can, I wonder if like the foundation of our relationship is healthy, honest communication. If I'm going to need quite as much from my partner, I don't know what I'm saying, man. I'm losing my point. Can you, <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to say? Or is, or am I just like making a hypothesis that's like A plus B equals blue? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does sometimes happen. You're like, I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think what you're getting at is that like, if we take the time to like fill the cup up in good times, then like in the future, when, if there's like a time when it's like things are getting depleted, like at least your cup will have been filled already, you know, like you yes. won't, yeah. you won't like need to go to them to be like, fill up my cup, fill up my cup. Cause it'll be like, Oh, I've got a reserve. I think, I think that's what that it is. I'm, I, I'm thinking about like, um, like resentment maybe, you know, if you're talking about the little things throughout those 20 years, if you're always sort of feeling like you're a safe space for each other and maybe there comes a time in which one of you is ill or one of you, um, is, um, s struggling with their mental health or, or one of you is just feeling like a little checked out or something or whatever it is, um, there might not be the sense of like drastic urgency um, because like you said, the cup is full or the cup is used to being filled. So it doesn't feel like such a sure an overflowing of need or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's just important to remember too that like, doing this work on the front end maybe makes it easier or like develops the muscles to be able to practice when things are hard, but it doesn't mean that it's easier, right? Or like that it's not going to be challenging mm, or that emotions good. aren't going to come up too, right? Like, cause I think sometimes we're like, well, I don't understand why we're in conflict right now because like we've been having those hard conversations and it's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also like nothing prevents this kind of stuff from, nothing prevents people from getting sick or, prevents people from having bad mental health days or whatever might be the thing that that is like kind of driving the the anxiety around the relationship and like it does help it does help make us more practiced at exactly what Sierra said which is like kind of like seeing things in the context that they need to be seen in which is like yeah, we're having a hard time right now. And, you know, like six months ago, we were really, we were having those hard conversations and like figuring this out. So like, I have faith that this, we can get back to this place or like this too will end, you know, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to like suck if somebody gets sick or what any of those different things happen. I'm also, the, I, I should have added this context. The, another reason why like those, those, you know, multi-decade long-term relationships, um, are on my mind is because we were talking about how neither of us have a ton or any really healthy examples of long lasting mm. relationships. Now, I actually don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because as I've said on the podcast and like joked about, but also really genuinely mean, like I would much, I'm so glad my parents got divorced. I'm so glad that my parents recognized that it would be more unhealthy for both of them and their children if they stayed together in this really unhealthy marriage. Um, and I, I know Willow feels the same about many of her, the elders in her life, but like we don't have a ton of examples of long lasting relationships uh, 
that don't have their own, you know, sort of toxic baggage with them. Like everybody's toxic though. Everybody can be messy. Um, And, and the one that she did really uphold in this idea of like, she thought this was like the Holy grail of relationships. She learned in adulthood, they, they went through these stages of like a lot of disconnect and stuff like that. So we were just having like an ongoing conversation about what we thought about, yeah, um, time and its effect on relationships um, and how we can strengthen our relationship now in the everyday, every day, like you said, fill up the cup in the everyday so that, and practice filling the cup so that when maybe one of us is less able to show up or something's going on, we remember the shared vision. We remember the ability that we can fill up that cup, the reservoir of communication and love and respect. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't have the answers yet because I haven't been together for 20 <laughs> years yet. You know we what are, I mean? <laughs> we are just making it up as we go along as always, yeah. as in all things. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for musing with me on that. Um, and thank God that dream was not real because I was so stressed out. I sleep so much better now that I'm not a cheater. And that is the most, that's the least hyperbolic thing I've ever said. I used to sleep that's so terribly. Funny <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, let's get into today's letter. Um, I really appreciate this letter. It's con- from Kerfuffled in Colorado, whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from Colorado, USA. I'm finally writing in because this isn't a topic I remember hearing much on and I'm struggling with it. As a divorced mom in her 30s with two children, dating in my age bracket has been rough. I'm a successful businesswoman with engaging hobbies. I'm well-educated. I travel the world. I'm a solid seven, eight when I'm putting in the work. Ha ha. While I don't want more children and do not wish to marry, no thank you to legally binding paperwork again, I would love someone to share my life with. And yet, most men in this 30s to 40s bracket still want marriage and kids of their own. It absolutely breaks me for men to basically say, you're awesome, but since you don't want to make babies for me, it's going to be a pass. It literally is men saying, I'd rather hold out on the perspective of tiny humans I haven't met yet and may never even be able to have or even like when you get them instead of this incredible person here before me. While I absolutely love my life, it's tough not to feel that kind of rejection at a core level, knowing that being with me will always be a compromise. She's great, but she's got two kids. She's great, but I want kids and she doesn't. I know there's the whole, there's a lid for every pot or the ickiest. Once you find the right person, you'll change your mind. But I'm just uh, exhausted, exhausted from feeling like I've worked so hard. I'm absolutely crushing it. And men look at all of this and think, but, but babies, but marriage and none of the other awesome stuff that really matters. I'm fully taking a dating hiatus right now because I met a guy last year who really checked so many boxes incredible engaging conversation, great sex, successful aligned relationship styles that ended because he, you guessed it, just couldn't imagine a future without marriage and kids of his own. How do I stop feeling like my only options are to compromise or be alone? 
How do I take the sting out of standing firm in what I want in a relationship at the cost of seemingly every available partner? All right, Kerfuffle, thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this question. I'm so sorry that you're feeling so frustrated with the dating pool that you are currently swimming in. Um, It sucks to get rejected um, and it sucks to get rejected for something that feels really important to you um, and that it feels like people aren't looking at all of you. They're just looking at this one part of you that is incompatible and saying like, oh, I don't want all of the amazing work that this person has put into themselves and their lives and all of that. And I think, you know, you as somebody who has been married, who has children, know the realities of what marriage and children are in ways that these prospective mates might not and might be idealizing it or or you know, looking at it with rose colored glasses, whereas you're like, it's really not everything that it's cut out to be. I'll tell you that much. right? So I can deeply understand some of the frustration that you're having in this. Um, And, you know, I think Sierra and I want to help affirm the choices that you're making about what you want your life to be and what you want your relationships to look like um, and help offer some perspective, not so that the pain of this rejection goes away, um, but so that it feels like it might be a little easier for you to wrap your head and your heart around. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. 
That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Welcome back, my darlings. And thank you to our letter writer for this very thoughtful letter and for your listening to the, it, <laughs> your, your patron is, I <laughs> your guess. Your ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say that your feelings of rejection are really real and your feelings of frustration at this situation is doubly real. It's real, real because like woman to woman, I, I see this coming from this big universal wound that women can do everything. They're told that they can do everything. They work so hard. And yet still we're constantly told in so many different avenues that we're not enough and that our highest value to society is making offsprings with our body. And, you know, it's like you can, you can have a successful business. You can already make children. You can be a, a great partner. You can do all of these things. Um, and still it's, it's, your core value is this. And so I know that it's like, I know this is frustrating and the rejection is personal. And also it's this universal, like, uh, I, I just, I'm constantly coming up short to society's expectation of women. Um, it's like, be beautiful, but don't be slutty, be sexual, <laughs> you mm. know, uh, but don't put out too much. Don't, you know, like, um, be sexual, but you got to be a mom someday. Whatever. Obviously, I'm like doing the bad paraphrasing of the Barbie monologue, but y'all <laughs> get what is. I'm trying yep. to say. <laughs> I was waiting. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, this frustration is real. Um, and your rejection is real. It, it sucks to be rejected on any level. But I do think that they're going hand in hand. And I think this frustration is... Um, coloring your rejection to make you um, potentially like catastrophize what's going on. Not that it's mm. not awful. Like I'm not here to say this isn't a challenge in dating that you're going to come up against over and over and over again. None of this, I none of what I'm about to say is to devalue your rejection and your frustration because they're all real and they're all really valid. And also in the same moment, in the same breath, um, I want 
to, to offer the idea that although rejection feels personal, it's rarely personal. <laughs> it feels personal, <laughs> but it isn't because let's, let's do a little bit of a reframe. Like you're not being, it, it feels like you're being chosen over these unborn babies, right? I feel like a, a pro-choice rally poster right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, a, I mean a pro-life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, I feel, but you, it feels like you're being chosen over these unborn, um, potential offspring. Right. Um, but the, the reframe is, is I'm not being pitted against the two, right? It's not me or this. It feels like it. It feels mm -hmm. like it. Okay. But sometimes our feelings don't necessarily translate to the truth or like, uh, our feelings aren't necessarily in hand with reality because these people aren't looking at you and saying, Nope, I don't want her. I want this unborn child. They're, they're coming to you in, with a much more complex, diverse human experience like you have had. Mm -hmm. They're coming to you and saying, I have a vision for my life. I have a vision for dating and relationships. And that vision includes having children, getting mm -hmm. married, whatever it is, right? And you're coming to them with your unique, diverse lived experience. And you're saying, I have a vision for dating and it doesn't include children and it doesn't include marriage. Yep. And they have a right to do that. And you have a right to do that as well. For sure. It still sucks. It still hurts. It's still super frustrating, especially because of the, the societal context that we talked about earlier. But if you try, you know, this is the hardest thing we can ask of ourselves when we're feeling pain, but trying to reframe it away from the personal. It's not, I'm going to choose this abundant plethora of unknown babies over this one awesome person. It's not that. It mm -hmm. feels like it, but it's not that. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely much more complicated than that because it's not just about like unborn babies. <laughs> it's also, I, we keep saying know, unborn babies too much. So... It's too much. <laughs> I know. It's already been um, taken. It's already been, it, that's been like a uh, copy, copywritten by yeah, absolutely. Uh, the pro-life folks. Shouldn't, shouldn't be using it, but these potential children, um, right. It's also about like what a vision for the future is, right. It, it's like it, and do I think that maybe that vision is like limited for sure? Absolutely. Like I, you know, I also am like, yep, you don't know if that's going to happen. Like all of the things that you said in the letter. And also I, I really want to respect and hold that for some people having kids and being married is like the thing that they envision for what their future is. Right. Like, and that's, that's okay. Right. And that's, that's choices that they get to make based on, you know, what's going on in their own bodies and their own lives. Well, and because um, if Sam said, you know what, it's, it's a limiting worldview because maybe one day they're going to change their mind. That's the same thing that people say to you that feels sure. really icky, you know? And <laughs> right. Absolutely. Does it suck? Like one day, maybe you meet the right person and then you're going to change your mind about marriage. Does it suck for them to say that? Yeah. Does it, you know, but, but it's a, it's a yes. And all of these things are true at the same time. That's true. I didn't think I was going to get married and then here I am. So <laughs> I also just want to say that I really respect that you have this like this 
pretty concrete vision of what your future is going to look like. Right. And I, and I, I really appreciate the idea that you're like, I don't want to compromise on these things. I don't want to get married and I don't want to have more kids. Like, I think that that's wonderful. And I just want to name that that means that your vision of your own future is going to be incompatible with people who have their own strong visions of what their future relationship is going to look like. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, I think it's probably good that you all are, that you are really clear about what you want and can articulate it and are telling people and understanding, like, I don't want to compromise on this. Like, this is a non-starter for me. And when you start dating people who have different visions of their futures, like that, unwillingness to compromise on it means that you're going to be incompatible with people. And this is not a bad thing. Like, I, I don't think you should compromise on this if you don't want to. And one of the, the challenges or like the, one of the repercussions of us standing so firmly in our values of who we are and what we want for our future means that it's going to weed out people who are also very confident about a future that they want that is different than ours. And it's, it's, I know that the rejection hurts and this feels bad for sure. Absolutely. Not discrediting that at all. And if you know that you want your life to look like not getting married again and not having children, then it's good that this issue came to the surface in a way that like brought into, into reality, the incompatibility that you had with each other's futures so that you're not sitting there in relationship with the person who wants something different and is not our talking about it, right? Or that you get four years down the road and suddenly you're having big blow up fights about the fact that, you know, he wants to have kids and you're not willing to, right? Sometimes like we kind of talked about this in the check-in topic, right? Like bringing some of these things to light in the relationship is actually helpful because it helps us decide whether or not this relationship is working for us. And like, yes, it does suck when you are in relationship with somebody you really like and you just have incompatible ideas of what your future should look like. Like that never gets easier. And it's a good thing that it's happening because otherwise you'd just both be assuming that you're on the same page working toward the same goal until suddenly it becomes abundantly clear that that can't be true, right? And that creates all sorts of heartbreak and all sorts of pain. But I, I keep referring to this as like an incompatibility about the vision for your future because I want to reframe this idea that like you are being chosen second to all of these potential babies, right? That's not true. What's actually happening here is that you two, you and this person have really incompatible visions of the future, which means that it, a relationship wouldn't work anyway, even if you were like the most perfect person for them, because we are all defined. Our relationships are all defined by our compatibilities and incompatibilities. And if we have one that's this big, then it makes it hard for the relationship to continue. Not because either of you is a terrible person or not hot enough or like not successful enough, right? Or any of these different things, but just because that relationship itself is incompatible given what you two want for what your futures are. And that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Like, I wish that this, I know that there's comfort in this answer because I know there's comfort in reframing this rejection as something personal to something more, it's, it's about the other person's vision of their life and yours, you know, and the incompatibility in that. Um, but that doesn't take away from the frustration, frustration um, and the pain, you know, the, the rejection, 
because it it does again it feels like they're choosing the potential of this future over this real living human person right here and that i don't know how that that gets easier but like i can't tell you how you know (laughs) um i can't tell you the steps about like how to deal with that because it's always going to hurt a little um but you can tell yourself it feels personal, but it isn't, you know, you can, you can repeat things that we've said on this podcast or, or whatever makes you feel better. Um, and I love what Sam said about, um, how having like firmer boundaries or visions for your life, when you enter the dating field, it will change your dating experience. It doesn't doom it. It doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily make it harder, but it does weed out a percentage of the dating field that you are not compatible with. Right. Right. Which is yep. frustrating. But again, mismatch visions for your future. Um, I, but I love what, how Sam phrased that, because it's like, again, if we do a small perspective shift saying. uh you know, I'm resolute in my boundaries. I know I don't want to get married. I know I don't want more children. And that's what I'm going to move forward with, the confidence of those things. And it that will inevitably affect relationships. It's just going sure. to. But again, even that is not personal. Even your own personal boundaries. It's like, I don't know, it's not... It's not about you or your value as a person, which I know is hard to interpret sometimes because of the way, again, society makes women feel about their value in work and home life and baby making and whatever. Anyway, um, so again, maybe one of the things you say to yourself is like, uh, it feels personal, but it's not personal. Another thing you can say is like, my, the field in which I am dating in will be smaller because I have strong boundaries over my thing, over my, my vision for my life. And that is not a bad thing. Like that's Mm -hmm. actually what I want. This is a good thing. If you can try to work on reframing that it's a good thing that sometimes feels bad. (laughs) That's what I would say to myself. Um, and maybe, and maybe sometimes, you know, the mantra that you say is like, fuck them. They don't know what they're missing. You know, it's okay to be yeah. frustrated. It's okay to feel like, dang, sure. it sucks. You know what? The last thing I'll say is sometimes it is probably really disappointing that there are people out there who don't see, I don't know, step being a step parent as something that's valuable in their life's vision mm-hmm. um, or as they, I, I know for a fact that our society puts such an emphasis on having children um, as like the pinnacle of human experience. So it, it I want to leave space for like critiquing the conditioning that we've received that maybe some of these men are, are acting under. And also I knew that I wanted to have children in my life and that's something I pursued. And, and this is a lived experience that you have had, you know, like they're just not compatible right now in this moment. And both, both people are, are in the okay. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Long story short, you don't have to compromise to be or be single, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that sort of dichotomy between those two choices is so true emotionally, <laughs> so true. And like our, yeah, yeah, our yeah, yeah, feelings yeah. about it. Right. And also like just not true in, in real life. Will yes, it make, that's, that's a great going... way to put it. That's confusing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <But> true. <laughs> uh, and, and yes, like. Is your 
you know, unwillingness or inability to compromise on some of these things going to mean that there are people who are out there who are going to be incompatible with you? Absolutely, that's true. And that's not a bad thing, right? It's it's okay for you to stand in what you know to be true about what you want in your life. And doing that, of course, means that some folks are going to say, that's not for me. But it also means that the that hopefully the right people are going to look and say, oh, yes, absolutely. I'm in agreement with that. And I want to find someone who shares that idea of what our future is going to look like as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my darling, we love you so much. And thanks for listening. And we hope this helps. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like more content from us or if you would like to join us for our office hours, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to those monthly office hours, which are just a Zoom hangout with me and Sierra. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music and his podcasts. And remember, our feelings are valid. And also, sometimes our feelings aren't really telling us anything that we need to take into the real world, right? Other than something's hurting here. Something's missing here. I'm, I'm feeling angry here. I'm, I'm feeling unheard here. Sometimes our feelings are just telling us that we need to be taken care of by ourselves. They aren't necessarily telling us a bigger truth about something. And if all else fails, just break up. 